Welcome to Interscription. It would be a fine time for Rich and I to escape to the virtual world amidst the second round of smoky skies this year in a freshly damaged roof situation. Stay a while as Rich discusses the stunning scale of Norse mythology in Asgard's wrath, and I chat a bit about how gross medieval rats are. Two, this week would not be complete without not-so-quick stops in court to see how fair and balanced the FTC is being in the Microsoft ABK merger proceedings. Thanks for staying on this road with us. We are rolling. Coming in at a good time. It's not like a Friday night. We are back on schedule. Yes, yes. Our ever-dynamic schedule, and yet we are back on it. We uh, are ever-flexible, perhaps. Yeah, uh, but I think we're we're topical tonight. Um, I am back in the office, uh, my very leaky office. Uh, I had a roof collapse over in the other section of my building, uh, causing some amazingly free-flowing water. I don't know if you got the storms this week, but oof. It not, is, to uh, that, uh, not to that level, for sure. That's, uh, that's insane. That was uh, some water coming through, huh? Yeah, and so I ended up, I've never done this. I I don't like insurance. I don't trust insurance. And it was significant enough that I had to at least put a claim in and see what was going to happen. And this guy came down he called me first. Like the adjuster said, so uh, can I like, can I see the roof? Can I get to it? And I said, well, I mean, I, I can get to it. I have ladders here at the building. I've got a, a window you could get out because he's like, I'm, I don't really like ladders. Like, all right, well, you know, it's on the second floor and we've got actually some windows that like look out. You can get out of there, but you know, if you're a big guy, it might not be the most, yeah, I'm a big guy. <laughs> like, well, you can look at the roof from out the window. <laughs> you know, you can do that. I could go out there and you could just tell me to walk to certain sections and do that. And so do you have a drone? That this, might be this guy showed up, dude. Oh, he was, I probably shouldn't say this because I'm sure they're going to like look up our podcast and use it like as a reason to deny the claim. Definitely. But he was like, Chris Farley is like the guy in the van down by the river, like, and yeah. just so on guard and think about his job, right? Like he's a claims adjuster. And so he is going on site to tell people most of the time that actually that's not as bad as you think it is. And like, this is the thing, like you're not going to just no, you can't move to the um, Barbie mansion in, in the Valley. Now that, uh, you know, you had some damage to your roof and he's just like, man, I can't tell you, you know, these guys yelled at me and I had this claim. I went over and they said there was water damage and it turned out they left the window open overnight. And, you know, I said, I, I can't pay that. And the guy is screaming at me and says, well, I'm going to get my lawyer. And then I put the claim in and my boss starts yelling at me that I should have looked at the window on the other side of the room. And like, he's just like telling me his whole life story. And like, you know, all the while is like measuring things and stepping over like the puddle of water and broken drywall that like he's I'm like yeah man like that's all time I'm not yelling I'm I'm all good I am I am team adjuster can you just take a picture of that thing and <laughs> you know I just want to kind of get my office back to functional mm-hmm. but you know the reality is it sounds like a really terrible job doesn't it I I have to imagine it is just that like I you know there's been uh 
let us say some uh, kinetics around um, the uh, the perception of law enforcement over the past, uh, let's say, several years, let's say several decades, um, and uh, that has adjusted over time. And uh, I get it. There's in any place of power, there is a corruption of that power. Like that's, and I don't care who you are. I don't care what time period and whatever part. There's always going to be bad. And yes, full stop. I also am flabbergasted by the idiocy of humankind on a hourly basis as are anybody who is keeping their eyes open and if your job is to literally walk the streets and have to deal with the idiocy of that i can i mean i'm just i'm saying i'm not built for it you know what i mean like i just don't i see that you know uh, that is not an excuse for corruption but i I certainly understand the jadedness of some humans when they have to deal with, I mean, because getting back to the adjuster thing, I mean, I'm sure they've seen every trick in the book, right? Like every trick, like people have just tried to hustle uh, insurance companies. uh, I mean, because there is that belief, right? Like there is a belief that insurance is just a, is a huge ass scam, you know? And sometimes it is right. Like, and sometimes it's actually helpful. And a lot of times it's somewhere in the middle where it like is just what you have to do. Right. Um, Man, but I, I'm sure if you are an adjuster and you are going to places and people are like, yeah, I don't know why there's this car in the middle of my living room with, you know, <laughs> booze bottles falling out of it. Can you fix it? You know, like, <laughs> no, sorry, sir. It's because you're a drunk and you drove in here last night. I mean, you're going to see that, right? Like, you're just going to see the dumbest shit possible, yeah. right? By the dumbest people. And at some point, you just have to get so jaded against humankind that, you know, again, not to say that people should be jaded and they should, you know, make terrible decisions for other humans, but God, like you just have to see just the dumbest and the most underhanded bullshit from people. And I, I, I can't imagine, right. I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't do it. I, yeah. I just, you know, it's so easy to be on this side of it, right? Like, just like anything, like, you know, if your internet's out and you call, like it's obviously your special flower because it's your internet being down. But when you talk to the tech, they've talked to 40 people before you and they're going to talk to 400 after you. Like it's not your internet's it's not special, you know, so um, it's just that kind of like thing. It's just, you know, the, when you have to deal with it, like in such ridiculous repetition, it's got to break your brain. It's got to. Yeah. Now, and like your best day in that job is telling somebody that their house is really fucked up. Right. Like yeah. that's that's great. Like is you're coming in there to say, yes, uh, that is definitely an elephant that fell through your roof. I don't know how it got here, but I don't think you did that, sir. Um, So we're going to cover removing that elephant from your house. Like, so that's your best day. Like, that's as good as it's going to get. And everything else is just either you can't help them or they're lying to you and you have to deal with that. Like, that does look like black mold, except you left your Sharpie on the floor. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This also suspiciously looks like, quote unquote, black mold. Yeah, it's weird that the black mold actually wrote the word black mold out of itself. (laughs) This must be a new strain. I uh, haven't seen this one before. Uh, Yeah, man. I don't know. Um, I don't like it, but uh, it's either being in a leaky building or being outside where we can't breathe because of the smoke again. So... Best possible timelines. What have you been up to? Oh, my God. Uh, Trying to stay inside when I can. It's, uh, 
Yeah, it's been a little bit uh, nuts, uh, nuts with that. I, I, I did. I, it actually kind of caught me caught me off guard. Now that you're saying the the air quality, I was I was like, you know, sometimes when you when we have these sorts of things that pop up, like I, I, I'm, it's a very dumb human thing to do. But like, you know, the smoke part like we did the smoke chapter right so i felt like when i went out yesterday and i went outside and i was like but i but we did this i don't i don't want to do it again i i you know it was kind of lame last time why would, I, why would i want this um so that's crazy weather's well, been super nuts up here in in northeastern pa2 uh um did a uh, site visit um uh, down by lehigh valley on tuesday um and uh kind of, kind of come up in july so um just a just some some uh some networking work and stuff they're doing down there for my day job and uh yeah it was uh awful awful uh, weather going out that way too it just it feels like every time i'm driving i'm just uh faced with uh torrential downpours outside it's uh making me want to stay inside and stream things and play video games yeah. uh you know that is definitely the answer and i'm looking forward a little later to getting into what the future of that looks like for us since we're wrapping up the ftc stuff as we speak um here on thursday evening but yeah like that is better right like it it is the some version of the apple vision pros just blocking out the burning reality that is out there and give me the high def like that's it turn that dial right like it's the it's a, we we had actually um as we not we don't really have a lot of apple vision pro stuff today for our topic list but there was a article i think i passed over to you where they talked about how in the dev kits because those are kind of going out now right like because since it came out with wwdc and they were talking about how there's like it's sensing of like dealing with reality like so just to back up, I think that what is it, 1.5 meters away from your initial dump into into virtual reality. Like if you go more than 1.5 meters away from where your head was when you created a virtual reality, I think it 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 it, it uh, bleeds back into AR, right? Like it, it it checks you back out of the environment and it turns on the cameras. Is that was that it? Yeah, um, I think that's what it was. Which by the way is just under five feet. Yeah, that's so. Tiny little circle, right? Like, unless you are a couch potato, like, it's a pretty tiny circle. Like, you're not really getting very far. Yeah. What I don't understand is, so I've looked at this on the Samsung that I had to, to kick all of this off um, on the Valve stuff with the HP, um, which I think just kind of reads the room, right? Like, it just sort of figures out where the walls are and then sets that as your room scale. Um, yeah. And the Quest has an interesting way of doing it where you draw in your room scale. And so mm-hmm. like you can actually factor for couches and stuff if you want to have a smaller area before it gives you that thing. And so it can be as big or as little as you want, or you can toggle it to um, a stationary one, which is what the Apple is doing, which is just a four foot circle around you where you're sitting. And so you can get up and stand and sit. But if you breach that circle, it's going to take you out. I don't know why they can't do what every other headset does like why is it arbitrarily based on you know as the crow flies 1.5 meters uh, in a circle from where you started yeah like yeah, it it's got sensors for days so what the fuck yeah also the weird thing about the head speed did you see that like if your head moves is moving uh, too fast a clip it'll actually flash a warning in your face that your head's moving too fast I didn't catch that. Was that in the same article? I may have um, started projectile vomiting. 
Yeah, I think it was that. Yeah, something around that. So it's like kind of weird. Like, uh, like they really are not interested in this being like those two things are really just f- like full stop problematic for VR, right? Like you just really can't have great VR experiences unless they're very sedentary ones. Um, but yeah, uh, moving too quickly in any direction, uh, you are moving at an unsafe speed. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 strange. It's a strange like for this thing being so bristling with with sensors and being able to really like kind of you know pound for pound just you know outgun a lot of other headsets in terms of like just raw sensor uh, throughput, raw CPU and 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 so on. Like even cheating with the with the battery pack being external and everything that they're doing there. And it's interesting the other limitations, right? Like I, they've made other choices, but it does also firmly cement this into like something that doesn't seem like it wanted to play in the same sandbox, right? I guess this just isn't the same thing. Um, but you know, be that as it may, not to beat too much on that, but it was uh, it was just kind of a fascinating kind of uh, pivot that 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 headset's making. I don't know why uh, why that choice is happening for sure. Um, maybe uh, maybe that brings us into a, a perfect segue to something where you're probably moving your head very fast in VR, and that would be maybe Asgard's Wrath that you played recently. Love that. Yeah. So we've talked about VR. You know, I'm definitely diving further in, and I do think you know that with the Apple Vision Pro, the Quest Three, it's picking up steam in some really great ways. Where I feel like we're not quite at the VR singularity of it being a ubiquitous home device, but it's certainly, it's getting there. You know, when Apple enters the chat room, like we know that uh, it's it's serious for better or worse, like they're inventing VR and everybody now knows that VR is a household thing. But the work that Meta has done, no matter how you like them or don't like them, in bringing the price down, in building a freestanding headset that doesn't need an expensive gaming rig to hook up to, doesn't need cables, um, has taken the other side of it, right? That just pure accessibility piece and said, <clears throat> you know, which to credit Apple and Microsoft back in the 80s, they had that vision for a PC in every home, right? Right, Like both companies like in parallel had a great vision in the early days of computing and, and got it that this wasn't this thing that only people with a lot of money and resources had these giant things, you know, libraries, which is kind of like how VR has been for a long time with light boxes and needing a lot of space and needing, you know, a perfect accoutrement of accessories. And so we're kind of, we're getting there. And um, Half-Life Alex was uh, the one that you would kind of showed me to kind of rekindle me in VR and, uh, you know, really has, you know, that first moment when you just wake up on the terrace and all of this half-life shit is going on and it's like nothing is out of reach, right? Like you can pick up any item and you can just like, you're transformed there. And the first time a head crab jumps at you and like is scurrying around, like you're trying to kick with your legs and you don't know what the fuck's going on with your body. And like it's visceral in a way that's just not there or when the elevator opens in that very first bit and dude is standing there with a gun in your face and and he's big like however tall you are he's a good two inches taller in that true pursuit uh and it feels like you feel threatened and immersed in a way that no game can really get you uh you know and it's 
one of those ways that I really fell in love with gaming, not to wax too poetic before I get into Asgard's Wrath, was actually Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation 1. Um, early in that game, there you're in a police station and you round a corner in the kennel and you're creeping with your flashlight down the kennel and all of a sudden it's just and these dogs like jam against the gates and they just like start barking and I've never jumped so hard. It was my freshman year of college and I'm like playing it with a couple of friends and like everybody in the room just jumped at the same time. Like, oh my yeah. God. Yes. Um, and the idea that games could do that for yeah. you, you know, like even like back then on a four by three screen with low res, like just the, the timing and the feel of it. And now we've got that in VR where we're immersed and things are 3D and have depth. So... Asgard's Wrath has been out for a couple of years. It is a PC-only title. Um, it's now, I believe, owned by Meta because Meta is doing the Microsoft thing and buying up studios for better or worse. And interestingly, was also recently sued by the FTC for doing so. Um, mm -hmm. And they won. Uh, they bought a fitness company, I think, that does <laughs> VR fitness. Yeah, what were they called? Was or something. Oh, yeah, it was. I wanted to say Avalanche, or so it was a it was a name that doesn't have anything to do with fitness, so that's why we can't get it. It was, uh, oh. yeah. Um, I um, I'll I'll find it, but yeah, it was definitely you know similar in some ways, smaller scale to what's going on right now with Microsoft and Activision. Um, Supernatural. Supernatural. That's mm -hmm. it. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. well, it sounds totally fitness like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't believe we missed that. Um, so I think they purchased the company that makes Asgard's Wrath. And again, PC only. Uh, because Asgard's Wrath 2 is coming out, uh, there's a promotion in the Quest Store that if you pre-order Asgard's Wrath 2, they'll give you Asgard's Wrath 1. Oh, and that's great that deal. seemed like a pretty good deal because it wasn't more than Asgard's Wrath 1, and that's the one that I kind of wanted to play. Sure. Uh, so I have put in... A solid 10 hours now, three nights into this game. Okay. Nice. And it is fucking stupendous. Nice. So first caveat, the graphics are very, very good, but they are not uh, photorealistic. It's not like Half-Life. Like there's definitely an art style to it and things are somewhat cartoonish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're not trying to not be that. I mean, like you've got companions so the basic premise is you're a brand new god in the norse pantheon and okay. like the thing just opens where you are in this like ocean and there are viking ships getting thrown all around you and loki comes down and he's fighting this like leviathan sea monster kraken thing that just comes at him and starts attacking him because one of the other gods is fighting with loki and he gets taken off the battlefield and it's like quick take my sword you'll have to fight it off and you're just standing there with your like glowy god hands not knowing what's going on but all the while like you're standing in this water that's like up to here mm -hmm. and so like you're like in an ocean but like you're god-sized and so all of the viking ships are like you know this size, like about, yeah. you know, a foot or so in your image. And like you're, as you're using your hands, you can like shove them around and like stuff's happening. And so, you know, this Kraken starts attacking you, throwing boulders at you and like splashing everywhere. And then these sea monsters start like jumping at you. And it's just immediately like 
visceral, like you are in it and you feel the scale of these things. And then you are back in Asgard at a bar walking around with all of these gods and you're walking up to um, the guy who makes all the weapons, the blacksmith, and he's like a huge fucking brute. And so like you're a, a wee god, but he is like, uh, 10 feet ahead of you and you're just like looking up and feeling that scale as like you're walking around like these absolute giants and so cool. what the game does that's really amazing is like you're able to possess humans and so a lot of the game you're playing as a human like possessing them and fighting at human scale Okay, but then you, from your god scale like the human scale is like a little action figure Wow. And the game lets you flip back and forth in certain places from first person, that person, to going back out to God mode. And it just puts you God size on the entire map. And you can move around and you can pick up your guy and put them other places like they're just a plaything and move pieces <laughs> around and solve puzzles. But that plus my affinity for like the Norse pantheon and just like mm-hmm. talking to, you know, all of the like going to the world tree and having at one point Thor walks in and he is like, you know, Loki is like kind of like your size. And then Thor walks in and he's just like this abundant, like accusing you of uh, stealing Mjolnir and getting all mad and like stomping around and sitting down at one of these like tables and just sending the whole table flying. And (laughs) like, everything's just there and visceral and good. And the combat at times feels terrifying because you've got to, actually parry and you've got to have situational awareness um you always have a companion with you that's some animal human hybrid that you made so you've got like a shark guy and um so far i've unlocked that a turtle who can use her shield to block like fire so that you can walk by and you think about like those platforming things we've all had things where we've had to like get around like a jet of fire that's coming out right like you've mm-hmm. got to jump mm-hmm. you've got a dock you've got to move a box in front of it but in vr first person to actually think about like having to contort around and figure out how to like not get put on fire the way we've just like mindlessly pushed our characters through that day after day in different games yeah. is really fucking great so super engaging game really recommend it uh, especially to you because I know that uh, you're probably the only person who loves that pantheon even more than I do yeah for sure um so like just like the the role playiest playingest of it like there are just times that I found myself like talking to characters even though they absolutely cannot hear me and can't communicate with me at all and you know, I'm like nodding my head and <laughs> trying to do things and <laughs> have meaningful conversations. And they actually like, so I, at one point, like I finished a particularly tough exchange with um, this um, bird person who does like arrows. So she's got like a ranged attack to support you. And I just sort of instinctively went like, gave a thumbs up and she gave it right the fuck back. And there was like, bing. Wow. <laughs> so they, they know. They know exactly what know. you're doing. I know. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really I freaking love VR, man. Uh, I yeah. love it. And that is, other than Half-Life Alex, like really a full game. Like I'm nowhere near done with even the first act yet. So uh, wow. super great. That's amazing to hear. I, uh, 
I do. And I think these these pieces are so important. I think you and I talked about it before, like trying to have these conversations with people that have not even had the first taste of VR. Like, I think it's why what Meta is doing in terms of like really pushing the the accessibility of this being wireless, of it being cheaper, you know, to the masses is so important because you really have to demo VR in a way that like you can't go to a Best Buy and demo any of this, right? Because like as cool as this is, stylized or not, Half-Life Alex, stylized or not, you know, like whatever you want to say about the art styles and the level of, you know, uh, creation of, of assets and everything, like it's still on a flat 2d tv right like it's still on an oled right it's the kind of it's we had we had referenced the um gears of war 3 was it when you had with the 3d glasses um and like it's why you know as cool as that was it's why 3d tvs didn't work you know for most people because like you couldn't go into a Best Buy and see it. Like there was nothing about 3D TVs that you could see when you were just walking by. So it just didn't work, right? You couldn't sell it when you walked in. And VR's got that uphill battle, right? Like you, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it is very exciting. I, I want to jump into this and I, I do, you know, evangelize it embarrassingly. So to anybody who'll come over and just say, hey, put this enormous headset on your, on your head and start screwing around, you know, in, in VR. It's uh, super fun, you know, and, um, Anyway, it's just a, it's a, it's a cool experience for sure. So uh, yeah, that's great. That's great to hear about that. I, I, there is a Steam summer sale going on right now, so perhaps perhaps there's a there's a, a some VR games to be purchased. I think you said you yeah. So yeah, um, Skyrim VR is on sale right now, fifty okay. percent off. Uh, so I I played the you know this I I played the poop out of Skyrim back in the day. Like I played all of it. I did all of the things. And so for me, it's hard for me to jump at that, except that it's one of the most modded VR titles ever. Ah, Okay. And so people have done a lot of work with the ray tracing updates and, uh, you know, putting God lighting in that kind of particularly comes through trees and adding new AI gestures, doing like, full updates so that you can do more than you could do in the base game and additional content. So it almost feels like it just has to be in our catalog. And now that it's 50% off is probably the right price for that. Yeah. Yeah. What else can you do there? Yeah. So that, and I know there was another one that I mentioned was just popped. Oh, um, No Man's Sky, which I have on Game Pass, but I think does, the Steam version doesn't that be, just work in VR on Game Pass? Uh, or I believe it? it does, but I don't know that you can mod it like you could uh, on the Steam version. So I don't know that. I mean, those guys have been doing the work since launch, and so you know, at fifty percent off, at you know, nineteen bucks, I might just throw them a cookie and sure. give them some more money because I've actually never paid for it. Sure, sure, yeah, maybe that's the right answer for sure. Yeah. Um, what uh where was i with that too um looking at their vr stuff here um sorry everybody uh listening to us uh, <laughs> go on about steam sales um there was uh there's one other thing oh i was gonna one of the things that i i thought would be super interesting too um and i would want to get your take on is um I know you haven't played it a lot, but I would love to see uh, on the um, Quest Pro is uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. 
Um, that would be uh, does interesting that do to see. VR is it is VR. Oof. Yes. That's uh, that might be the thing to try too. Um. So I mean, you know, especially with all the like what I do when I play, like my son will play and actually like understand planes and shit, and I don't. So <laughs> I just go in and turn on AI, AI piloting, AI That's everything, right. and just <laughs> I just pick two places and let it go ahead and fly for me, and I just get to see all the amazing stuff. I I am glad that we share exactly the approach to playing that. I put me in a fighter jet, but don't actually make me turn on like the jets. Like I just want to push forward and go. Yeah. Just what I do with planes in real life is I get on them and then they do their thing and I get off of them. <laughs> I want that here. I want this. Just I want to buy a ticket. That's all I want to do. One hundred percent. Yeah. Now that's that is correct. Uh, yeah, that would be very cool. Uh, I really. So I only have like the three on my wish list right now. So No Man's Sky is fifty percent off. Um, Skyrim VR is sixty-seven percent off actually, and Vertigo uh-huh. Two I wanted to check out heard good things about that as kind of a very half-life inspired game that's been overwhelmingly um praised yeah the other other thing i wanted to um see that you might be interested in so between flight simulator and also subnautica um is on sale for the steam sale and that's actually down to 10 bucks Hmm. so that might be that might be pretty cool yeah this is vicious i I don't know why they do any of this ever it's really it's awful the steam we're, sale yeah we're gonna we'll be in here instead of pod potting the whole yeah, time we're gonna okay, have to yeah, get we, away from well, it's a, none of that uh, so i should tell you about jury duty instead to totally take the wind out of our sales tell me about jury duty and i can't wait to tell you about a plague tale requiem so jury duty not actually being on jury jury duty but no so this will be very quick because it's it's niche it is a semi-reality tv show okay. sort of so the premise is it's kind of mockumentary where they're doing a an office style kind of thing where they're trying to look at, you know, what a modern jury is like being on jury duty. Okay. Um, and they put an ad in Craigslist to say, hey, we're doing this thing to be on a jury. It'll be a real jury. We've gotten permission from the court to do this so that, you know, Americans can see, you know, what being on a jury is like and getting called for jury duty. Um, and so... The catch is that everybody on it is an actor except for one dude who doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Mm, And so it's kind of like that's the setup. Um, And James Marston actually ends up getting called for jury duty in California. So he's on there and, uh, you know, he's he's on the jury with the guys. And um, And the guy who doesn't know what's going on thinks that he somehow got on a jury with James Marsden. Well, he, I mean, they put him in the room as the jury pool. So, like, they put 200 people in there and set it up. Including James Marsden. And he's like, huh, this is normal. That happened? Yeah, it happened. It happened. I mean, hey, it's it's where he lives. Like, it's in uh, Southern California where James Marsden actually lives. So, he Does it happen? Do, like, Hollywood actors end up being called for jury duty? Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure they do exactly what James Marston did, which is call in a favor to have the paparazzi come to try to get him out of jury duty by showing that it's, um, you know, some huge distraction. Yeah. But uh, what ends up really coming out of this is that this guy is really just too good for this world because they're just, like, all pranking him for all of this time. And his core goodness never leaves for a second like it never wavers like he is just 
a decent, good human being who didn't deserve any of this. Um, and so still funny, limited series. I think it's only like eight or nine episodes. If you need a palate cleanser from any dark fantasy or sci-fi, kind of good. I enjoyed it. And that's kind of all I've got. But it also did leave me with like, how did they find the guy who answered a Craigslist ad to be on a jury duty and making a documentary about this and managed to keep this straight. I'm just waiting for his book deal where he says, yeah, no, I figured out the first day, but it was going to be on TV. Like, what am I going to do? Be an asshole? Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, it ha- I don't know. It just sounds, I mean, maybe the head cameras are too hidden or whatever, but it just seems like there had to be at least one camera that showed up that just doesn't really feel like jury duty anymore with all these fucking cameras. So I don't know that this is real. Um, well, I mean, but, they told him they were making a documentary, so like they do with jury duty. That's it. Like, uh, like that's just, I mean, do you think you can volunteer for jury duty on Craigslist? I mean, right. I mean, there's some ads on Craigslist, and I wouldn't show up for that. But right. anyway, it wouldn't be at a court. I'm sure it'd be uh, in the back of a warehouse somewhere. Exactly. Like really decent guy. Um, funny show kind of like in that players sort of like mockumentary feel and not bad for eight episodes uh some people who listen to this podcast may like it okay great uh is there going to be more seasons of it like no it's all done Uh, i mean are you going to fool someone else at this point well, they didn't even fool him, so no, probably uh, not. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm saying, they're, I mean, clearly they fooled some people in the audience, but they, they certainly didn't fool him. That's right. <laughs> and he's absolutely on the gag, but like, that's a, that's a weird idea. That's a weird idea. That's a very strange thing. Like, I don't know how it got like brainstormed like that seems like a pastiche that seems like ai generated the idea for that like it's like it's, I, I hope so man oh man that's something well, on what and how how can i go experience this um amazon flicks prime okay i hmm. let me jury duty is on amazon prime on amazon prime okay I will give it a taste and we'll see what's uh, what's going on with this guy. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So tell me about um, A Plague Tale to take things from light reality comedy into the absolute darkest depths that we can go. This is, I mean, man, around the, this is somewhere in and around France, somewhere during the Inquisitions uh, and during the plagues uh, that were uh, happening at the time that were born of uh, untold billions of rats that are being rendered in real time on my Xbox. Um I think that this is like mostly a game, but not all of a game. Like I, I am comparing it to uh, a game that I did actually enjoy quite a bit, um, Hellblade 1. And I feel like that's kind of the place I would put this is around the Hellblade 1 space. Like where Hellblade 1 really did layer on a lot of uh, gameplay systems with, you know, the sword play and the parrying and that kind of stuff. And it got just complex enough that I would say, yes, this is a video game and not just a walking simulator. Um, and then it had the little puzzle bits with the runes and all that. So, um, and a little bit of player agency and how you approach that, that three boss battle thing and, and stuff. So, but that said, you could also leverage that if you compared Hellblade to say one of the Assassin's Creed's like, um, 
Valhalla or whatever like that's a game ass game where there's just like a map with a whole bunch of icons and a bunch of busy work to do and skill trees and like it's like got systems like it's just built with brimmingly so you know and you said that to its detriment in these last couple of Assassin's Creed's like that's brimming with systems and it is very very gamey yeah. whereas Hellblade is a little bit gameplay light there this is even lighter than that like this is this is there's a lot of stealth and very little fighting in this um there is a skill tree in as much as you can like upgrade your sling that you throw rocks with and um how much ammo you can hold items you can hold and then your sneak ability um but i don't think even with that stuff i don't think that if you powered any if you powered none of it up that you couldn't just beat all the encounters anyway like i guess it makes some of those encounters a little easier but i don't I don't see that that upgrade tree makes it like, well, if you don't upgrade this stuff, then you're never going to get past some of these things. It just might be a little bit more difficult, but it's not that kind of game where it would gate you from those things. Um, but anyway, um, I will say it's it's pretty cool. I, I, they, the You and I played the very, 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 very beginning of this um, yeah. uh, when you were up last, uh, just to kind of get the taster of it. Um, so I'm up to chapter five right now. Um, it is... Uh, it's tough. I mean, the graphics are beautiful. Uh, I think it is a great graphic engine. The lighting, they do the lighting really well um, in this. Uh, there's a, a technique that happened right around the 360 time. Um, it's a photography technique called uh, bokeh, um, depth of field. Yeah. Um, so like when you you know, focus a camera like you, there's things in the foreground that get blurred and, and when you're focusing on something in the background and vice versa. Um, th that effect on PC and, and consoles has heretofore been a little bit rickety, like, cause it's going from crisp pixels to not crisp pixels. And like that blur of those pixels is a, is a technique that I haven't really seen too many engines handle very well. I would say this uh, has a very crisp frame buffer. Like everything feels like very sharp, like the graphics are very sharp in this. Um, and that effect is like seamless, like almost like movie seamless. Like what, even when you pause the game, like they're so proud of them being able to blur things out that like the blur and like the sparkle around lights and stuff that happens with a bokeh is is incredible like it looks just like just the kind of like they obviously worked on that effect a whole bunch um but uh uh that said it's not the most interactive of games like it's not the kind of like everything you run into moves and you know what i mean like it's like a lot of the backgrounds feel a little staticky and stuff you know like it's it's wonderful to look at but it is a little bit you know propped up like it's like a prop world you know there's not it's not a particularly like big open world by any means. There's some expansive fields and stuff you're running around in, but it's mostly in buildings and you know, they're, you're they're pretty tight quarters and that. So like, I think they traded on the open worldness and the interactivity for just getting some real crisp detail for some stuff. Um, it's pretty cool. I'd like to just finish it out and see where it goes. I, I am surprised they got this much mileage out of this very simple idea already of just like running away from rats and like, but it's like mostly that it's just a stealth game where you're running away from rats at the end of the day and um but i'll give definitely give it credit for it being that kind of light touch with it sometimes i kind of get a little bit frustrated by the puzzle solving part of it just because i feel like it's almost railroading you into the one way to fix the the puzzle and by chapter five you'd feel like they would either open it up a little bit or change it up a little bit but um and they have a bit i don't mean to be unfair to it but um i actually really wanted to kind of get through this because the second game which is uh 
uh, next gen only um, is actually on Game Pass. This was on Game Pass, and I had just missed out on that, so I found it on a super sale. So I'm just trying to rip through it so I can get to the next one, honestly. Yeah. But uh, it's fine. It's like some of the tropes about video games with the with the, a lot of sneaking and 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 stealth missions is like after a while that can get very cloying. You know what I mean? Like because because you know that as well as I do that, despite their best efforts with AI, like sometimes it's just. Uh, it's just frustrating that you're trying to hide from these characters. You know, there's a very arbitrary rules for how you can hide from, you know, soldiers and stuff. And it doesn't always really like mesh too well with reality. Not that these hordes of demon rats are very, you know, realistic, but, um, but anyway, it's, 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 it's cool what they've done with it. It's surprisingly gross and gory a couple of times. I was not expecting it to have that level of, uh, you know, gnarly, uh, stuff going on in terms of like, you know, body physics and, you know, you know, people getting eaten by rats and stuff, but they, they, they get into it a little bit. Um, so, but it's cool. I, I like it. I, I'm glad I'm playing it. I, it's, I think I wanted something that was not very systems heavy right now. Like I wanted to kind of play something that was a little bit lighter. Yeah. So, um, so enjoying it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I dig it. I, I definitely, the sneaking felt like it was going to be a little monotonous, but I think the Hellblade comparison uh, at least early on it felt like they really had some inspiration there and i'm not sure what the tiktok in that was but i i think that's helpful sometimes to have that lighter gameplay where it isn't so deep and hard and you can kind of just sit back and enjoy a bit of the story and it seemed pretty rich in that standpoint yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think the voice acting is a little bit frustrating. Like, I don't love the little kid or the sister. Like, it's like, and they're making like, you know, dumb choices. Like, the kid's running off too many times. And I'm like, all right, how many times are you going to do this with this stupid kid running off? You know what I mean? Like, just let him get eaten already. <laughs> like, he's just, he's not paying attention. Um, but anyway, it's cool. I'm, 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 uh, I will finish it. I don't think it's particularly long from what I can tell in terms of how many chapters I've unlocked versus how many I have to go. But um, I'll report back next week. I'd like to keep it's a, it's a, great little you know like because you can get through most of a chapter maybe in under an hour like for sure like probably closer to half an hour from what i've seen like if you're like picking through looking for every single item to do this very limited upgrade tree then uh it's probably gonna take you a little longer but and so i'm trying to do that for you know achievement hunting and to make it a little easier for myself but it's, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine this going to be a particularly long game from what I'm seeing. So yeah, I'll burn it. I'd like to finish up by, by next week so that I can, I can talk about that through the ending and maybe even fire into the next one. Um, so yeah, but pretty cool stuff. Excellent. Um, why don't we take a quick break and then come back and talk about other things that are trying to draw to a conclusion, like the Microsoft Activision merger, which I just checked in on and and closing arguments are still going and it is after five o'clock West Coast time. So I am sure everybody's getting all kinds of peakish and punchy. Uh, I actually got to listen to a little bit of that today. So love to kind of give you the brain dump and then get into the fun of the Annapurna Interactive Game Showcase. Sounds perfect. See you in a minute. Now um, we're going to do our games showcase and legal analysis section uh, of the podcast. Yeah, that's uh, two weeks in a row. That That's how we're doing it. And we come back from the break and we talk about the law. We talk about video games. Yeah. So why don't we do the law first so we can kind of have our meat before we have our pudding. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and that way we can kind of end on game showcase and I'll try to keep this tight so the reason we're doing law on this podcast is because uh, this Microsoft Activision merger is really a juicy story that kind of overlaps with what we've got going and actually today uh we got confirmation that elder scrolls 6 is going to be slated to come out in 2026 i did say that we've got another one coming uh so uh, this the is next like Skyrim. this is like this is the tea right here is uh, all of it uh, on the table uh so today was closing arguments for the preliminary injunction case i actually tuned in for the back half of it this afternoon got into the zoom so i got to actually get some of the flavor i've been following a lot of the live feed. Uh, I think I said this last week, the FTC's case is um, not so great overall. Uh, You know, they're pursuing this primarily based on the idea that Microsoft will take Call of Duty specifically away from PlayStation if this deal goes through. Mm -hmm. That's their main theory. And then they've got a secondary theory that's similar to what the UK did, which is that this will give them an anti-competitive advantage in cloud gaming. And everybody admits that cloud gaming isn't working so well. There's been testimony from NVIDIA, and they actually, earlier this week, brought in somebody who was involved in Google Stadia. Mm. And that was interesting because the Google witness was called by the FTC to show why this deal is bad. And Google said, well, Stadia died because we didn't have enough good content. And Microsoft's retort to that was the fact that Google didn't want to spend more money on third-party content really doesn't have anything to do with us. Mm -hmm. They also Mm -hmm. can afford to buy Activision if they want to. Right. Um, So that was interesting. It didn't really hold a lot of weight. A lot of it came down to experts, and the FTC put forward this one expert that really is only looking into a horse race between the PlayStation and the Xbox. and. He threw a number out that some 20% of PlayStation users would just abandon the PlayStation and go to the Xbox if Call of Duty was made exclusive to Xbox. And listening to this this afternoon in closing arguments, the judge really attacked the FTC over it because it turns out that the expert just guesstimated at 20% and didn't actually have any stat for that. And so she was in command of this and said, well... Are you counting gamers who only play Call of Duty 10 hours a year, along with gamers who play 200 hours a year in that? And the FTC had to say, well, our expert kind of said maybe somewhere between 15 and 25%. And the judge snapped right back and said, yeah, but your expert also said that if it was 15%, there'd be no economic incentive because there wouldn't be enough growth for Microsoft. So whether it's 20% is pretty important to your analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, so she got in the weeds there a little bit. One of the things that was really interesting was listening to her kind of attack the idea that we shouldn't look at PCs as an alternative. So, you know, a big part of the idea of this case is what happens if the PlayStation no longer has Call of Duty? What can consumers do? And the FTC would like to say that their only choice would be to go to the Xbox And since Microsoft has signed a deal with the Nintendo Switch or with Nintendo and future consoles that they may put out, um, and these games are also available on the PlayStation and they're going to be available on NVIDIA's GeForce Now, uh, the judge really kind of dug into that, like, why is Xbox the only option? Why won't they just go play it on their PC? And the FTC said, well, 
nobody's going to go out and buy a $1,500 PC instead of a $500 Xbox. And I was really interested to hear the judge kind of attack this line because she said, well, I think a lot of people probably just already own those PCs. Um, and the FTC guys tried to say that, well, no, you need a very specialized gaming PC to run Call of Duty, and it's, you know, thousands of dollars. I said, well, you know, we all went through the pandemic. I don't think anybody was working from home on a $200 Chromebook. Uh, you know, like people have decent computers if they were doing their work at home. Um, so I actually, as an aside, like I went and pulled the Modern Warfare 2 and the current Call of Duty system recommendations. Um, and to run it 60 frames a second on all high settings, according to Activision, I, I pulled this out. I was kind of surprised. It is um, Windows 10 and i5-6600 um, or Ryzen 5-1400, at least 12 gigs of RAM, um, video card GTX 1060 or Iridium 580. Wow, a 1060, really? To run everything on high at 60 frames per second in most situations with all set options set to high. So that's not like the minimum specs. That's the recommended set specs to just console experience. So I went and Googled those specs. Yeah. And stunningly, those are $500 computers. Absolutely. Like, that's just, that is a bargain basement computer. So the judge really actually kind of got it. And, you know, the FTC was trying to say that you need a 4090 water-cooled tower to run Call of Duty. And that's just not the case. You know, okay. their recommended specs for Modern Warfare 1 was a, a GTX 970 to put it in. Yeah, which, yeah, that's not even, yeah, in the... In the running anymore, really, yeah, and and probably tellingly too. Like if you pull, I know those the Steam, uh, uh, that the uh, what is that that hardware survey that comes out on Steam every once in a while for PCs, and it'll pop on the client every once in a while. But it's uh, you know, when you go and then look at the numbers that that reports back, you know, and it's it's it is pretty alarming that like there is not, uh, you know. There, it is a a shocking minority of people who are running these like you know big big beefy gaming PCs because you just you don't need it right like I mean if you're trying to drive 120 frames per second or beyond right with these like super uh, crazy high 4K monitors that you know are again gaming monitors then yeah you're probably going to need something around that um, but for Call of Duty specifically it's amazing that the system requirements are so low and kudos to Activision for uh, developing games that don't really you know kick the ass of a pc like that yeah no i i which again kind of all goes back to competitiveness there are certain games out there that are you know crisis and crytech have always been like one that's pushed to the engine like that's kind of their their gimmick is we're just going to sell video cards like that's mm -hmm. our goal mm -hmm. um but you know something like call of duty that's massively multiplayer that's competitive like you want it to run on a mid-level machine because latency matters, frame rate matters, reaction time matters more than ray tracing and blistering first person, you know, single player experience. Uh, so that makes sense. And that is about like the pro competitive effects and also kind of dovetails into why Microsoft thinks they'll be able to make Call of Duty work on a Steam Deck or uh, not a Steam Deck uh, on a um, Switch. A Switch, sure. sure. You know, so I, but I thought it was interesting that the judge really kind of got that idea that like we have PCs like nobody's going to just throw away their PlayStation but also got the idea that this one game 
isn't so critical that we need to destroy a deal over it when, you know, a lot of people don't play that much Call of Duty. You know, you're talking about a small minority. And if you want to talk about 20%, it should be 20% of the people who are playing 200 hours a year of just Call of Duty. And then, you know, that's below your 10%, which means there's no financial incentive for Microsoft to take it away because that's really what it all comes down to is whether or not there's a likelihood that despite all of, I mean, again, Phil Spencer sat up there and the judge asked him under oath, can you confirm that you will continue to offer Call of Duty on the PlayStation? Um, And he said, yeah, I mean, if they accept terms that are laterally competitive with everybody else, yes, I absolutely swear under oath that we're not taking PlayStation's version of Call of Duty away. Um, And then the FTC lawyer wanted to say, well, will you commit to offering it even if Sony won't pay for it? And the judge cut the lawyer off and said, I don't need that. That's not anti-competitive. Stop it. Um, But like, right, like that's the thing. Like there's no reason to do that and nobody's going to just throw their PlayStation in the trash. The other thing that did come up that I had made a comment about earlier is, let's say you are a hardcore Call of Duty gamer and you're also a hardcore Sony PlayStation owner, you might buy an Xbox so that you can have Call of Duty, but you're not leaving the Sony ecosystem. Like Very few people are going to then throw away all of their other games and all of the other investment in that ecosystem. And so what you're going to be is a two-console house. Sure. And so that's not taking one out of the Sony bucket and putting it in the Microsoft bucket it may be adding one to the Microsoft bucket in terms of accessibility, but it's still shared. And so, you know, a couple of times in the closing statements today, the judge came back to the FTC and said point blank, because they kept arguing how this impacts Sony, that I don't care what happens to Sony. I'm here to decide, you know, what's good for consumers. Right. Right. And, you know, really lays bare, like what the FTC is doing and uh, trying to figure out why, you know, like why they're so in Sony's pockets. Right. Like, that's what it sounds like. It's like, it's like watching a fictional TV show where like big bad Sony, like, you know what I mean? Like there's like some scene where they're like sitting at some stuffy cigar bar and (laughs) they like slide an envelope across the table to the FTC, (laughs) uh, you know, representatives. Like it's weird. Like it's like so bold faced supporting Sony and Sony only. I don't, I don't understand. Like it's becoming almost embarrassing that that's what's going on here. Like, like the FTC is not trying to help anybody. Like it doesn't feel like it's just except for Sony. Like it feels like it's just defending their current position in this and it's a strange thing to have laid so bare here that they can't actually even hide behind anything anymore i I would ask too like since before this microsoft did say you know i mean we talked about this last week and i just want to kind of drive this point home again because it, it it feels so obvious to me but maybe i'm just missing a part of it like microsoft has said to nintendo and to nvidia streaming and to you know all, all the different places where they've put the 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 Call of Duty stuff out, and they've said, "Yes, we're gonna release it on all these." Here's the here's our agreement: ten ten years plus, we're gonna do it here. And they said, "We have one for Sony." I mean, it was even whatever his name was, um, Brad Smith. He had the piece of paper that he had written up that said, "I've got this. I'm ready to give this to Sony as soon as they're ready to sign it." Right? Like they are. They did a dog and pony show about that they're going to do that. 
they when this deal closes, if it closes, like maybe this preliminary injunction goes through, who knows? We have no idea what happens until next week. But if this thing does close by at the end of July, everything they signed with NVIDIA and with uh, uh, with Nintendo and everything, does Microsoft have any legal right to then just go back and just tear up all those pieces of paper and say, ha ha, fooled you? No. Like, okay. So what the fuck is going on here? Like, I, I like the, the thing that just doesn't make any sense to me is why wouldn't, if they're handing you a piece of paper saying, yes, let's do terms here. You are worried about us not putting Call of Duty on here. Let's sign this piece of paper together and submit it to the courts that says, I'm going to do this. Like, why, what, what, what are we even talking about? Like they already said before, before both the judge and the FTC had that moment with, with Phil Spencer to, you know, have this under oath, you know, (laughs) swearing of that. They already said they were going to do this. So like, I don't even know why that's necessary. Like, what is that? Like, what is going on with that? Like, why, why was that not already binding? Like they tried to put a piece of paper in Sony's face and Sony swatted it away. So why is that not already as binding as it could possibly be for a company who's so afraid of Call of Duty disappearing? If they were handed a piece of paper and they chose not to sign it, what does, what is even, what are we even talking about? Yeah, I mean, so Jim Ryan also testified during this hearing and he was forced to admit that he did say, I don't want a deal. I just want the merger blocked. So he also said that under oath. So, I mean, it's the quiet part out loud. There was a comment today in the closing arguments where the FTC attorney said, well, you know, I mean, Microsoft could get rid of Activision, sell that and just keep King. And so, like, that's how distorted this is, is that the FTC would be okay because who else is going to buy just Activision without the value of King? And the answer is obvious. Like, if you don't have to buy King and all you want is the console games, that's Sony, right? Right. Like, Sony would buy that in a heartbeat because it would be less than $79 without the value added to the mobile market. And that's where it's just laid bare. Like, there was a whole conversation about, well, even if they don't take it off, you know, Microsoft could offer, like, an exclusive skin, you know, for Christmas in Call of Duty that's only on Xboxes. And Microsoft's lawyer interrupted and said, you mean what Sony does as the market leader constantly? Yeah, right. So, I mean, the homocracy is not even close. There's not much more to go on on this. The only other piece I'll make is that it did seem from the closing arguments that the judge uh, had a little more skepticism that there wouldn't be anti-competitive effects in cloud gaming, acknowledging that the subscription service and Microsoft's lead in xCloud is very far ahead of everybody. But it also seemed quite clear that she didn't see that as a reason to block the merger. Uh, You know, just that she didn't feel that that was without any consideration. I think her take was more, we don't know, you know, just like we don't know with VR and we don't know with AR and we don't know what the next gen consoles are going to be or what a new Nintendo console is going to be able to run or not. So I think it's fair to not know, but I think she said along with that, but we also wouldn't be here if Microsoft developed Call of Duty. We're only here because Microsoft is buying it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a very important piece, you know, that when it's a vertical merger, that's exactly right, because you're not merging two companies that do the same thing. Like they're purchasing somebody else who did this thing. And so if they keep their promises, nothing really changes in the competitive landscape. Sure. And they've agreed to not do that. Like I, I beat that drum over and over, I know, and I probably sound like an idiot for doing it, but but 
they said that that's what they were going to do. So what is everybody upset about? <laughs> like if we're, we're they're just saying we're just going to bring it to more people than we did before. That's it. It's just they're going to have a Microsoft sign on their on their front door. That's all. Like what's up? Okay, so two things. I have two questions for you, and then maybe we, we'll we'll wait until next week to kind of dig into it. So, okay. question one: um, There was a piece that came out around Minecraft, and I had thought about this a lot um, I, because uh, Minecraft was brought up as a good example of how Microsoft uh, Microsoft has bought a studio that ships games on other on competitive platforms and has not mothballed the the other versions and has continued to support them everywhere that they are right what i didn't realize was that there is no ps5 native version of minecraft Mm -hmm. i did not realize that even though there is to be and i think in some ways because of smart delivery there is a series s and x native version of that code um And the reason for that was stated in all of this that Sony didn't want to send PS5 dev kits to Microsoft because that would tip them off in the console game. That is absolutely correct. And that is actually one of the arguments that the FTC has made for why Call of Duty will get worse if Microsoft owns it for Sony owners is because Sony will stop shipping dev kits to Activision's developers. Sure. And... I will say as much as both I don't care about this merger a whole lot and also I just wanted to go through because I think Sony is evil. I also have thought about this a lot long before this merger and long before these talks. How would you reconcile that from a business perspective? Because I would find that very difficult to reconcile if I were Sony because, yeah, we're making consoles. We are competitors here. And if we ship you a dev kit that tells you everything under the skirt so that you can start making games for it, then you also might have a last minute change to your console that magically, I don't know, has an extra USB-C port up front like we do. That's pretty weird. Um, It's a tough position, I guess is what I'm saying. When you are somebody who is trying to ship games on other platforms, right? Like it's a tough, it's a tough thing to do. So I, 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 so I don't, I'm not trying to ride to Sony's defense because I don't want to. And I think that they have been mustache twirling evil about this whole thing. But I, but how do you fix it? How do you fix that problem? Because I do think that that is the one place where this is a potentially legitimate argument. And it's actually the only legitimate argument I've heard. I think the cloud thing is bullshit. I think the Call of Duty thing is bullshit. I think, but I do see that if you are shipping on competitor platforms, they have to send you dev kits in order for you to make stuff. And so how do you fix the problem? And I think that's the, well, the question. First of all, I think it's absolutely bullshit okay. is what I think. I You'll stop me if I'm wrong and you'll stop me when I'm wrong. But my understanding is that the PlayStation 5 runs an AMD Ryzen CPU of some sort, a yeah. AMD RDNA 2 GPU of some sort with some amount of RAM. And I believe the Series X also runs an AMD CPU and an RDNA 2 GPU, and they both are all AMD all the way up and down. And yes, they both partner independently with AMD and put in their own specs and their own goals. But I think we're kind of tilting at windmills a little bit when we talk about this. And I think 
absent a breakthrough project, like something truly revolutionary new where the PlayStation 6 actually pulls apart into an actual vir- virtual reality cave that you can just step into and time warps. Yeah. And none of that is disclosed in patent filings, which are also public and can be discovered. Then we're really talking about a kind of PC that we're building into a console, right? We're mm-hmm. targeting dedicated hardware and software. We're trying to eke as much out as we can to get into this five to 10 year console cycle, but we're still developing games in the Unreal Engine and mm-hmm. in other tools that are inherently cross-platform. The only reason a game is exclusive is because of business. It's not because some games can't run on the Xbox that can run on the PlayStation. Sure. So I feel like when it comes to these guys, it's kind of a bullshit concept. Like the only reason why you would want to ship dev kits or not ship dev kits is to make sure that that targeting at the last mile is done well. Like you're not building on that silicone. Yes. Yes, that's true. I think it's just the one place is when the PS6 comes out. Like, and I think that's the one place where if they are going to try to do, because the one, there are some differences around storage, right? The way that the storage speeds go for the PlayStation is significantly different. Mm-hmm. I think it's a storm in a teacup in terms of how much it's actually changed the game for Sony. Like, I think, because like the one game that they showed was that new Ratchet and Clank game that's actually going to ship out on PCs and doesn't even require an SSD. So like, I don't think it's actually that big a deal like the way they made it say uh, out near near launch but um but i mean it is a a product differentiator in the same way that on an xbox and there's you know there's uh you know the way that they handle the cores and the the speeds on the cores and how they kind of farm out some of them being faster and slower and so they can actually push more teraflops than a than a a playstation can you know at at load um is also i don't want to say competitive advantage but i do want to say there are hardware differences that have been designed right yes there are some off-the-shelf parts from a AMD. We're not talking about the cell processor anymore or the Xenon processor anymore. We're not doing that from the 360 and PS3 age. But but I think that there are still moments where I think at launch, leading up to launch, if there's a new Call of Duty coming out uh, in, at, in Christmas time, right when the PS6 is going to come out, how do you get that out there and not tell Microsoft what it is that your console is doing before it actually hits the hits the hits the street? Yeah, I, I do think that there's, to an extent, that that's fair. I do still think that it's largely mitigated by the fact that both the console makers have largely moved their development cycles to be in parallel. So it's not, because otherwise, if you did that, like, then that would already be done. Like, they could just call up a friend or reverse engineer or take it apart. But like you're announcing specs at no point is Sony going to go up to the PS6 announcement and say, here's our new console. You don't get to know what's in it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they're they care about that stuff. They care about the transfer speeds of their storage. They care about how many teraflops are giving developers and what that's going to do for ray tracing and for other processing bits. None of it's secret at launch or close to launch. And so. I still feel like it's an overblown concern and I I get it in the abstract like why it's an argument like why it feels like wow I don't want my competitor to find out about this but think about the development cycle of these things like how far down the pipeline 
would Microsoft have to be and how disastrous financially would it be for them to turn on a dime to retro-engineer the console that they're working on to release at the same time at the time they found out about those dev kits. Like, by the time there's a dev kit, like, you're you're locked, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a dev kit, like, you know what you're putting in this and you're circulating it, usually for your first party and very close launch partners. As we know from this cycle, like, we're only now getting exclusive games. Sure. You know, most developers were not targeting this generation right out of the gate and that's always an issue right because when a new console launches if you don't have a very close uh, marquee first party kind of relationship you need to sell copies and the saturation in the market is in the last gen console so you might have a ps6 extended edition where you're bumping things up but you're still selling that on ps5s Mm -hmm. so anyway i slice it i feel like I understand why it's a persuasive sounding concern, but when you really start picking it apart, it's hard to see why they wouldn't show their work at the time that they're going to be shipping dev kits. Like they certainly wouldn't share that very early, like, hey, we want you to be a launch title exclusive for the PS6. That's in-house, right? Like that's somebody that you're sharing, like when you're first dreaming it up and figuring out what the hardware should be, because designing a game is a five six year endeavor it is yeah and i would i guess my like i'm just looking at the timelines of it all like i think because they are so early on the the difference between this is like fresh because it's it's you're talking about the difference between third party and first party, but this is a hybrid situation, right? It is a first party game for Microsoft. It's a third party game for Sony, right? But it's the same game. So it's not like, I think that's where the distinction is here. It's like very, and I don't mean to beat this point up a lot because I don't think it's enough meat on these bones, but I do want to make the distinction here that like it's first party for Microsoft. So if you're putting out the Xbox Series Y, right, in a couple of years as a brand new console, and you w- remember with Call of Duty, unlike a lot of uh, franchises, like Call of Duty is an annual franchise, right? When they pick up Activision, they're getting a bunch of sub-studios, including no less than three studios that make Call of Duty. And so all Call of Duty games are on a roughly three-year cycle. So you got Studio One starting development, then a year later, Studio Two, and a year later, Studio Three. And then by the fourth year, Studio One has shipped their game and has already started the next one and so on and so forth. So they just roll three studios over and over and over again so that they all get a three-year development cycle. So if you're trying to ship a Call of Duty because you ship it every single year and you're trying to ship it at Christmas when the new Xbox Series Y comes out, then you started telling them the the in-house dev for Call of Duty as Microsoft, you told them years ago what the target was going to be. You had to have. Like, you didn't tell them develop for the Series X and then, like, three months before say, oh, and by the way, I want you to make a Series Y version, right? Like, if you're making Call of fucking Duty, you're going to make sure that that comes out on your new Xbox on that at Christmas because that's when the new console's coming out, right? So... So I think that means that the Call of Duty devs do have access to early specs as early as they are available for a console launch. Now, the following year, everybody's known about the specs for a while. Dev kits have been out for a while. It's all after the first year. I don't think it fucking matters. I think it's a mess. But I think for that first year, 
I could see them saying it. And again, I don't think it's enough meat to stop anything. I just think, I, but I do understand that in that first year, if you're not doing backwards compatibility for your new console, then there's a year where you might not have Call of Duty out on your platform. I think Microsoft actually went on on record as saying, well, that's Sony's choice. They can either send us dev kits or not. That's up to them. Well, yeah, I mean, think about like with Minecraft, like they're still not sending dev kits. Like, so this is like, that. I think that's where it all falls apart. Like, you're absolutely right. If you're launching a brand new product that does not have backwards compatibility, you are choosing to disadvantage yourself because Call of Duty, an annual release, I promise you is not going to target brand new Silicon day and date of release because they want to hit the widest market with their annual release of their game, full stop. So like it is going to be that following year. It's going to be four years down the line before they're going to start targeting the new shit because they want the biggest market. So Call of Duty like is more like Minecraft where it's a game that doesn't have very demanding requirements. And now we're going on how many years in the PlayStation lifecycle and Sony is just choosing at this point where there's no secrets about the BS5 anymore. There's nothing for Microsoft to not discover, but they're choosing to keep it off their platform by not allowing them to test and to make a native edition. I agree. And I am going to say Sony's still being assholes. Like they, they have, they have shot themselves in the foot by not actually shipping a PS five dev kit to Mojang to get Minecraft going. Like they could have, if they would have said, okay, the PS five's out now. So y'all can have a dev kit too. If that happened, I could see this being a bigger deal. But I think the fact that Sony's just still holding onto their dev kits and not sending them to Microsoft and and subsidiary studios, I think that that's telling, right? I do kind of come back to what it means even when they have purchased some of these studios that still have PS5 versions. I do want to say that too. Like, like I know that this is a dumb sticking point here because nobody else is making a big deal out of it, so why the fuck should I? But I am going to say, like, like let's take Bethesda and let's okay. take, uh, like, um, uh, I'm not enough coffee to get everybody's, the developers for... Um, uh, Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo, okay. who shipped PS5 exclusive versions of these games. Yes. Yep. So then they got bought by Bethesda. Microsoft honored the one year exclusivity. They shipped on Xbox afterward after the one year ex- uh, exclusivity. Yes. So. Those are studios that have PS5 dev kits because otherwise they could not have shipped those games to begin with. So does Microsoft have to send the PS5 dev kits back? And if they don't, don't they fucking have them? Like, isn't that part of the contract? Like, what happened there? Like, isn't that like a place where they kind of fucked themselves, right? Like, if they're that worried about sending PS5 dev kits out? Like, isn't that a place where, like... Like I think, I, and again, I know, I know that this is probably too in the weeds, and I'm, 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 I'm obsessing over this point. But I do think that the one, thi- the one differentiator here is between these companies is that there is some secret sauce in both consoles. They are not exactly off the shelf. They are close to that, and a lot closer than they used to be in the PS3 and Xbox 360 era. But there's some secret sauce in there, and if you have 
dev kits out there that's leaking all that shit all over the fucking place and then when you have a dev kit you're getting patches pushed down that are happening before the console even gets patched right because the dev kit has to support things that aren't even out on retail consoles yet so that it can support firmware that's coming like months later right potentially i don't know that they do that they should do that that would make sense to do that maybe they don't do that but that should be something they do so again like the ps5 dev kits are already there like they already are there so like they're in microsoft studios right now so why are they not sending them to mike to 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 mo yang right like why like like what is the deal here like you know what i mean like you're you it seems like you almost can't get away from this if microsoft is hoovering up these studios like and they used to make ps5 games that means they have ps5 dev kits and you don't want them to cut support for Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo like if you put out DLC don't you need to have dev kits for PS5 since they sold games over there so like you still need them like you still so like it's it's almost like why are you not doing business with us cuz you kind of have to now like i know it doesn't matter if you like us or not like if you want any of this stuff to not come to a screeching halt you have to do business with us so why are they not like they it's it, it's so incongruent yeah um, and, and so, uh, you know if they said well you know we've got an agreement to like wall off uh, Bethesda Zenimax so that you know the rest of Microsoft isn't allowed to see them then why can't the same kind of deal be put in place for Activision or Moyang? You know, yes. I mean, like you absolutely, yes. that's why I think this doesn't resonate with me so much. You know, the hardware part of it, uh, you know, when we were talking about the PS5 and the Series X launches before they came out, you and I went back and forth a lot with some of the choices on audio in particular, like Sony really like talking about like headphones and like that was their big thing versus atmos and you know how they were valuing storage versus gpu performance and it's very clear that both of them were making choices and then arguing their cases for why they thought they were making the right choices mm-hmm. for this generation and so that's the hardware reason of why i think this is a bunch of bullshit because not they're not using anything secret and if they were nobody would have dev kits because it would be Apple level top secret only first party like nobody can see this because it's going to change the world they're using chips that a third party makes that by the way is the same company that's making their competitors product and so Mm. AMD can look at everything and I'm sure AMD is advising both of them on well you know this is what we can do with the silicon this is you know where the tech's at this is what we think will be future proof this is what you should do for cooling you know both of these were very big boxes this generation you know Mm. you have a refrigerator and a 50s drive-in theater and neither of them are (laughs) particularly sexy but they're they're big for cooling right like we know that we know that they're there for airflow and function um and they both had to make those choices so that's like the tech side of it where i still think it's bullshit because i don't think either company is ever going to make a console that is so top secret that they're worried about somebody else seeing what's in their dev kit or they couldn't send it to third parties, period. Mm -hmm. Because also that third party, even if it's not owned by Microsoft, is also building Microsoft games. And those devs are going to talk and, uh, you know, it's going to be an innocuous email like, hey, can you get the... um, your GPU to give me, you know, 14.03 on this stat instead because, you know, our Sony version is really doing that. And all of a sudden, fucking shit's going to be out of the bag. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just nonsense. But then there's the business reality that, yeah, they're already fucking doing that. You've got parts of Microsoft-owned companies that 
have the dev kits that are fucking right now eating sushi off the delicate exposed back of the dev kit as yeah. we speak. So why don't you send it across the hall to Mo Yang? And right. if the answer is because we have a confidentiality agreement with this subsidiary, then you've already answered your own question. Like, okay. Just do it again. Go, yeah. go over to the copy machine then, yes. further down the hall, copy that one, and have the other guys sign it. Right. Right, uh, and and again, I, I, I'm I, I don't think that there's not a an impossibility from a business perspective. Like you're right, they could wall all this off, and they fucking should. But like I, I because I, I as much as you're right, I think some of this is more off the shelf than it used to be. I do think that like if you did this, it might actually impact the design of a PS6 because they're actually afraid of doing secret sauce solely because they would be tipping their hand to Microsoft early. So I, I think it's worth it to have some little extra, you know, uh, uh, stuff there. But anyway, um, so that's number one. Number two, I know we're going long, so I do, I do want to kind of just blurt this out and get, get your take on this. Um, so if you're in a, if you're in a trial, Okay, you you know law stuff, and if you're in a trial and you're sitting around, you know, and you're being you're on the stand, and there's a lawyer questioning you about something, and let's say the case is about, um, uh, you know, the, whether or not I uh, sabotage the roof of a law office in Cherry Hill, right? And a lawyer is asking me about where I was on this day and whatever. And I go, well, no, I didn't, I was, I didn't sabotage the roof that day. I murdered 18 people there in my backyard. That's of course I didn't do that. It, it took me all week to do that. I obviously didn't do that. If I said that, what happens? <laughs> like, like what happens? I, I think like from a, me murdering 18 people perspective. What does that mean? Like, because outside of the news cycle, immediately not really giving too much of a shit about your roof anymore. Like something in this very tangentially related case has now leaked out. That's very, very different and is like something else that we should probably fucking talk about. Like, <laughs> like, and so, so like, and I'm bringing up that very silly example because it seems like during this FTC versus Microsoft <laughs> uh, trial that there's been some stuff that's kind of leaked out all over the fucking floor in ways that like, are obviously related to gaming and Microsoft and Sony, but are not maybe 100% germane to exactly what we were talking about. But now it's fucking out there. Like, I don't know, Elder Scrolls six ship shipping in 2026 and uh, Jim Ryan saying, yeah, I don't care about anything at all. I just want to block deals because I'm a fucking monster, right? Like, like stuff that sounds like we should do something about it <laughs> is what it sounds like to me. Like, it sounds like we should like, I don't know, like, you know, make some decisions about this like bombshell that just dropped out of this fucking case. And it, it right, even right. though it has nothing directly, maybe tangentially so, but isn't really 100% about this case, right? Like it might relate to it. It might, you know, and whatever, but it also feels like it's got enough meat that we should talk about it on its own merits. So like from a legal perspective, what the hell happens there? Like right. that's, like for an actually germane example when it comes up that people are actually leaving xbox to get 
PlayStations because they can't play Final Fantasy, which yeah. is a more popular game than Call of Duty. Yeah. And, you know, Beth Wilkinson, Microsoft's attorney, says, you know, can we look at that? Like, we're not trying to make things exclusive, but it's directly hurting us as a minority competitor in third place that our customers can't play this hugely popular game that we had a prior version of and now we don't because Sony took it away from us. Yeah. Like, yes. So I think that is like yeah. exactly that example. Like, so yeah. AFTC, squeaky, 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 squeaky. Yes. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, right? yeah. Like, Grab the camera, so, slowly pan over here to so, the fucking So map. you're saying, FTC, that it's anti-competitive and deserving of regulatory scrutiny when a competitor uses its market position to block out a competitor from having access to a game that causes actual market harm by forcing those users to choose only their console as the alternative. I wonder, ain't the what? Yes, that yes. <laughs> sounds like something people should be concerned about, period, right? right? Yes, and that fell out of somebody's fucking mouth during this trial, right? Like, there were... There was yeah. information that fell out, right? Like we we're talking about documents that were redacted and then only redacted with Sharpies and then scanners actually bled through the Sharpies and saw bullshit, which was also terrible. You know, like not trying to do poor Sony here, but also their budgets for Last of Us and Horizon Forbidden West just spilled all over the fucking ground. And like, I don't even think that's particularly relevant, which is why it was redacted, right? And yet that stuff's out there. Like what... what what happens? Like, what happens? Like, because it sounds like nothing's happening and it sounds like something should happen. Like, if I have 18 bodies in the back right now and that came out during the being deposed about something totally different, what happens? Like, what do, what well, happens? You clearly didn't sabotage the roof. Not guilty. There we go. Okay. That's and it. then I get to go <laughs> right. home and that's, that's the end. That's, that's it. That's it. That, that was a compelling alibi. Like, yeah, of course you, that, I mean, you got to, cut off the arms and you gotta like get the pieces to fit in the holes uh, it's, that does sound like an afternoon's worth of work he's I, cleared it's exhausting it's exhausting it's yeah exhausting. i mean it it really seems with all cynicism that nothing happens and that's very frustrating because uh, you know this uh, the other thing that came up um you know one of the things microsoft has said all along is the reason they're doing this is mobile and their plans are to have a competitive mobile game store. And the FTC, the fucking Federal Trade Commission that is supposed to be here to protect consumers, actually said, nah, because Apple's exclusive. <laughs> right! Uh, exactly! Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. So you said you, it. <laughs> if only there was a regulatory agency who could break up that fucking monopoly. <laughs> Go get him. <laughs> Do you know anybody we could call, Mr. FTC? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude. Is there yeah, anybody that's... who is concerned about monopolistic behavior and access to markets for consumers? God, who's going to, who do we call? Triple yeah. <laughs> A plumbing. That's who we're calling. Like literally just a guy in an epic t-shirt crying in the corner. Yeah, that's it. This, this is, this is my concern, dude. Like, this is what I'm <laughs> right. saying. As somebody, <laughs> as somebody who understands, you know, frighteningly little about the law and lean on you a great deal for a great many things, this chiefly among them, like just from a, legal perspective like broadly legal like you know what i mean even using my silly example like 
did I just get away with murder because I talked about it or what happens then? Or is it just like, well, he just admitted to murder. So what happens? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what uh-huh, is the, uh-huh. what is the next step? Like what happens when somebody says something so bold faced borderline illegal or very illegal or not very good or things that need to be addressed. And it's just not necessarily a, something that's going on specific to this case. How does that then get brought up later? Is it, protected and if it's protected these things are awfully fucking public like i mean we're able to find out about a great many things about this thing right and then maybe as a, as a point b to this there was a point during this week where at least one of the uh in-person interviews that happened during the trial was actually blacked out do you remember that there was some somebody not yesterday maybe or the day before but i think it was tuesday somebody that was like a one of the financial people for microsoft was actually like nobody was allowed to know what their testimony was yes that i think that might have been this morning actually that was, was it this morning cfo uh which was because they were talking about all of their numbers. I mean, you want to talk about dev kits like they were talking about exactly how much they spend on each studios, what their budgets are, what their release cycles are, why Starfield's going to get delayed again. Like it was all of the stuff that like, <laughs> we just don't get to know about. And like I that's that that is absolutely appropriate, like for a bench trial in particular, where Frankly, this judge did not have to open this up to Zoom or the public yeah. at all. You know, the whole thing could have been done privately and we would have just read the opinion. And, you know, some of these things are under seal and you see the pleadings with big old black spots in them where there are numbers and words. And that's fair, right? Because like that's the point that you're making about dev kits. Like these are two very tight competitors where knowing exactly what they're budget is for the next six years would give you an unfair advantage because you'd know exactly where to attack to outdo them and maintain your advantage. So I have no problem with that. And if they did kill 18 people, like that's probably the place for that. But to answer the question, anything that you're saying under oath is fair game. Anything that you say in a deposition is fair game unless the parties agree to seal and the judge or one party motions to seal and the judge agrees um, in criminal context. I know that's not what you're saying, but any statement against your interest is going to be admissible. Okay. So, you know, I, you can't not have your prior statement used against you, even though that's not the context that you used it in. Like you said, you killed 18 people. We're going to go ahead and use that statement because that's criminal. Civil context, it's a little murkier, and this is essentially civil, where it's a government trying to stop a commercial deal. Um, But you're still bound to the things that you say under oath. And so if the FTC were to, I don't know, finish this one up and then turn around and look at Sony and say, now you sit in the chair. And, yeah, I mean, like, this really is like you've got two children, and if the FTC was doing its job, it just had a really good talking to Microsoft. And I said, I'll get to you next. And now you bring the other one in and say, and now you tell me your side of the story. And like, this is why you're grounded too. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Then what would happen if Sony said, well, you know, I never said I just wanted to break up mergers. They would be able to use the prior testimonies to impeach them. Okay. Right. Like, so you can't just introduce, say, this is what we're relying on. 
you can ask them again in the context of the investigation. And then if they lie about it, since you already had them on record saying the opposite, you can say, well, in the prior suit, didn't you say, and I quote, I just want to break up mergers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but that would then be the job of Microsoft, right? It The judge would not create a suit against Sony like and and no, it's there were... the job of the FTC in this context yes it's not this shouldn't be the job of Sony like this is theoretically Sony is not a party to this case it is a governmental agency saying that this is bad for consumers but if the FTC just doesn't fucking do it even though they have by their incompetence in last week made sony out to be the most evil company possible like by just like spilling all their dirty laundry all over the place and the ftc won't do it is there any way to aggravate the ftc to do it or does sony just get to be evil now that it's all right out there yeah i mean i think Selective enforcement is definitely a thing, right? And ultimately, it goes up to the executive branch. And the FTC is interesting because it's not directly controlled by the president. Uh, The way the FTC is set up is it's got a board of commissioners and they're appointed by both parties. So, like, it's kind of outside of Congress. I think it's like it's the president gets to appoint one, the House gets to a point one, the Senate gets to a point one, and then there are two left that each party gets to a point, like just as a party. So okay. it's like a, a very much a a Everybody compromise plays. of like when they built this, they said, you know, let's figure out a way to actually make this a nonpartisan group. So it's not. And I've seen a lot of like, well, Biden just needs to pull, call them to heal. And like, clearly, Democrats are just out to get this. That's kind of bullshit for the FTC because mm-hmm. it is a rotating body. And sometimes you got a Republican majority since it's a five person panel and sometimes you don't. And whoever wins the House or the Senate when it's time to appoint that commissioner gets to do that. But they really took pains to make it something that was a little insulated from the politics of the day so that it wasn't going after political enemies of one party or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, so like we can kind of take that out of it, but like all things get selectively enforced. And so you've really got to look at like, what are the priorities? You know, why is this commissioner pushing so hard in this? And, you know, she's going after big tech in general. And it could be that in her eyes, Sony is a primarily Japanese company, isn't a viable target for her, and her job is to police American companies because she's also gone after Meta. She has made waves and is starting to go after Amazon to push against them. So, like, this is definitely a priority for this commissioner in general to stop big tech from getting bigger. And I, I mean, Sony of America is still a large American subsidiary with an American CEO and an absolutely dominant market position. So in my view, they should be like the cynicism and the hypocrisy is laid bare in the fact that the arguments that they're making about exclusive outfits and partial foreclosure has been Sony's playbook since day one. It is why it's been so hard for Microsoft to get a foothold Um, And the part that's been most persuasive about this and why Microsoft has said it's not financially viable for us to make Xbox exclusives the norm, 
because we don't have the market share. And so when we have a third party, if we're trying to get a Microsoft an Xbox exclusive, it costs us much more than Sony because if Sony has 100 consoles in the market and we have 25 consoles, if it's cross-platform, the developer gets to sell to 125 consoles, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If they go Sony exclusive, then they still get to sell to 100 and they're only losing out on 25. And so all Sony really has to pay them for the exclusive is what they would have lost from the 25. If Microsoft goes for that exclusive, they've got to make up the value of the 100 consoles that they've lost. Sure. Sure. And so like that really, the problem with that is it lets Sony snowball that effect. And once they get that dominant lead, they can just keep building on it and building on it and launch ever more exclusives until you've put Microsoft out of business. And you would think that that sort of balancing force of really bad faith action to drive a competitor out of business is what the FTC is for. Mm-hmm. And I did the math on it earlier today, and this will be my last point on this, and then we will talk about the makers of Stray. Um, yeah, is, maybe. <laughs> so they're talking about Microsoft would gain 5.5% market share from Sony if uh, they made Call of Duty exclusive. Right now, there are 35 plus million um, PlayStation 5s out there. There are 23 million Xboxes out there. So if Sony lost 5% of 35 million and Microsoft gained those users, Sony still has a dominant lead. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so even if you take the FTC's position as absolutely true, and you say they are right about absolutely everything, they're not making the point that it's going to harm competition to make Microsoft more competitive with the market leader, which right. is all their argument would do. It would it would bring it up. And 62% of PlayStation owners have never played Call of Duty. Yeah. So like talking about this one game and how that's going to somehow put Sony out of business is just... It's all bullshit, and it really explodes, exposes that this is not about consumer protection at all, which is a shame. That is a shame. Yeah, it, it, it's just in so, you know, it, it seems I'm very appreciative of your analysis here because it, it's it's uh, more thoughtful and deep than I would possibly be able to be for, 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 uh, for all the intricacies of it even on its bold-faced, d- dumb version that I can understand it's embarrassing the position that they're that they're presenting right and and you did bring up a salient point here that like sony is not part of this case like sony is not suing microsoft here it's the ftc that's stepping up and it seems that it would be fine except ftc the ftc is really painting themselves maybe a little bit too much and maybe in a way that's like actually hurting them more than they should have thought about in the first place um, as like Sony's saviors as opposed to the consumer's saviors. Like they're, it seems like they're really trying to help Sony with too many of their words and they really should have trained themselves and distanced themselves from that conversation. Like the fact that they keep trying to squeeze Nintendo switches out of the conversation and squeeze PCs out of the conversation, like, and continue to beat the drum about how bad this will hurt Sony, like really makes it seem like, yeah, 
you know, <laughs> you guys are obviously worried about exactly one other person, right? Like, and like, and that's that's a weird thing that I I would think they would be smart enough to not lay that bear here. Like, it just it makes it just so embarrassing for them. Like, because it 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 isn't like it's like their puppets for Sony, which is is not a good look for either Sony or them, right? Like, it just makes it a lot rougher from a PR perspective. I mean, listen, I've talked to you about this before. Like, Sony's untouchable in Sony fans' eyes, so none of this is really going to poke a whole lot of holes into Sony, no matter what happens to this case. Like, everybody's still going to think that Microsoft is evil and that Sony does no wrong, even though there is some there is a room full of smoking guns, like uh, of of like how shitty they've acted. Um, so I don't, I really don't know. It's uh, it's pretty yeah. shocking for sure. So, yeah. um, cats, man. So cats. Yeah. I, I'm, I might, I might ask that we call an audible just cause it's getting awfully uh, late and yep, we're pretty, yep, yep. We're, we're in there. But, uh, I, um, yeah, there was maybe as a preview for, for next week. Cause I, I really, I, I watched this uh, in a, in a postage stamp window while I was trying to get some other work done today. Um, I actually didn't know this was happening today until I saw it float up on a, on a, on a news feed that it was happening. So I actually caught the show. Um, and there was some very interesting games to talk about. Um, the one that you mentioned here is uh is stray um which was a playstation exclusive for a while also released day and date on playstation plus as one of the few uh <laughs> on launch releases of that awful service um uh, so the game is called Stray and you play a cat and uh, you, it is post-apocalyptic, but you are running around as a cat to uh, solve puzzles and kind of figure out narratively what happened uh, to why there's no people and there's only robots. Um, <laughs> we probably know the answer um, and it's Alexa, but uh, but I, but <laughs> but if uh, uh, you need to play a game with a cat in it to find that out, that's uh um, what's coming up. That was, again, a Sony exclusive um, for a while, um, PS4 and PS5 and on PlayStation Plus. Um, and uh, it actually just got announced amongst many other things um, that it's coming to uh, to Xbox uh, in August. Um, so um, I guess we'll get to play the cat game. Uh, that is nifty. Yeah, I we will skip this for next week. I, I was happy to see that we've got a release date for Cocoon. I think we saw that at a prior game show mm-hmm. um, over the summer, maybe? Was it last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's actually dropping in September. So just in a couple months. And, you know, I will um, play it probably in April after I get some good Starfield hours in. Mm-hmm. Yes, there will be nothing after September uh, for a long time. Exactly right. So yeah, I took all of the wind up um, with our uh, daring legal analysis, and hopefully by the time we record uh, next week, we will be able to end cap it with a ruling from the judge. Because yeah, I mean the one thing to keep in mind is this is a preliminary injunction hearing, but the reality is, if the judge grants the injunction, the deal can't go through and will almost certainly fall apart. If the judge doesn't grant the injunction, then the deal will close and there's nothing else to stop it. And so while this is like a hyper condensed thing that normally would take like months of testimony, like that's why the stakes are so crazy on this kind of like, as it says in the title, preliminary hearing um, just because of the timing and the urgency. Sure. Sure. Should be exciting. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait to to check that out for sure yeah so uh yes next week tune in next week for the exciting conclusion of jury duty of jury duty and see you then peace peace